This Sunday is Palm Sunday, and so I wanted to connect some dots for you uh, regarding uh, that event that happened that first that first Easter um, season that began with the, the events of Palm Sunday. Uh, and I want to compare that and contrast it and connect some dots for you to the, par- the, the story of the sheep and the goats, which is where we're at. We're coming to the close of the Olivet Discourse, this uh, sermon that Jesus brought to his disciples. And here's kind of the big picture. The coming of Jesus on Palm Sunday was the coming of the king into his temple and into Jerusalem. The parable or the, the story of the sheep and the goats is the completion of that story when he comes, when the king comes bringing judgment. And we're going to talk about that scary word um, together this morning. We've been reviewing the teaching of Jesus um, uh, that he brought to his disciples on the Tuesday after his entrance into Jerusalem after that first Palm Sunday, uh, that his, what's been called his triumphal entry. Now let me say a couple of things about that entrance into Jerusalem. It was a profound theological statement that Jesus was making. It was also a profound political statement that he was making. It was political in that Jesus was uh, making this grand processional entrance from the south. So Bethany down the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley and into Jerusalem. He was making this grand processional entrance and people were worshiping him. At roughly the same time, as far as we can tell from history, King Herod Antipas was making a similar kind of procession from the north into the city. Uh, He lived in um, Caesarea by the sea and came down for the events that led up to and then through uh, the the Passover celebration. And so we've got these these two processions, which adds to the significance of this. What's more is that the, the crowd that were gathered around Jesus were waving palm branches. Some of you have branches this morning as we've been worshiping together. Palm branches were a symbol of Israel's freedom, Judah's freedom. Um, They had been oppressed by heavy-handed foreign nations uh, since the Babylonians hundreds of years before, and then the Persians, and then the Greeks came, and then the Romans, now the Romans were, were oppressing them. And every time the Jews tried to throw off the yoke of their oppressor, palm branches were the symbol of the desired freedom that they were seeking. And so as the crowd gathered around Jesus, making his entrance that Palm Sunday, there was a political statement being made um, by those who were saying, Hoshana, save us, as Jesus made his way into, into the temple. It was a political statement, but was, it was also a profound theological statement because the Old Testament prophets in particular had anticipated the day when God would send his deliverer, his rescuer, the Messiah. And the, and the expectation was that when he would come, it would be the day of the Lord. Uh, he would come and he would set all things right. He would come into the temple and he would fix what was wrong in the religious system, the worship systems of the day. And, and he would cleanse the temple. And he would then take his place on the throne of David and a reign of peace would begin. Well, as Jesus made his way that first Palm Sunday into Jerusalem, indeed, he made his way into the temple and he cleared the temple and he began to, to, to speak and teach. But the leaders didn't put him on the throne of Israel. Something didn't seem to make sense. And so they returned on Monday, came from Bethany down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem again, not not the procession this time. And he taught and crowds gathered and they were hungry and thirsty to be taught. And yet 
the, the leaders, the high priests, the elders, Sadducees, Pharisees, nobody was putting him on the throne. In fact, they were arguing against him. They were giving him a hard time. Tuesday came, same thing, down into Jerusalem. And, and the, the, the crowds are greater. And the, uh, the arguments, the, 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 the tension was only increasing. Nothing seemed to be going according to plan. That was Monday, and then Tuesday. On Tuesday, on their way out of uh, Jerusalem, the the disciples commented on the temple, and and Jesus prophesied that the temple would be destroyed, which was, again, like this is not according to plan, Jesus. That's not in the playbook. And so he sets them down on the slopes of the Mount of Olives, looking across the Kidron Valley to Jerusalem, and, and the Temple Mount in particular, and he explained to them, and this is what we have in what's called the Olivet, what has come to be called the Olivet Discourse. Um, they're still on the Mount of Olives, Olivet. Okay, just connecting dots for you here. And, and we've been looking at this over the course of these past weeks of Lent. Chapter 24 and chapter 25 of Matthew. Chapter 24 uh, is Jesus asserting, uh, assuring the disciples that the end will come. This is a sure thing. Uh, watch for the signs, be aware, um, this is going to happen. Um, and, and 30 years later, it seems that many of the things he spoke about were indeed fulfilled. A.D. 70, Jerusalem was utterly destroyed uh, in the midst of a rebellion, the Jewish uprising, and uh, the, the Roman general Titus besieged the city for four years can you imagine how difficult that would be? How, how long could you last on the food that's in your pantry or refrigerator or freezer? Four years besieged, cut off from the world. The, the human suffering and carnage was unimaginable. They estimate that 1.1 million people died in that uh, encounter in that one city. Um, those who, when, when the, the Roman army finally broke through the city and, and broke through eventually into the temple, uh, they, those they didn't kill, which was the majority of them, uh, were taken off into uh, slavery. Um, and what they couldn't burn, uh, they, they toppled, they crushed, they destroyed as best they could. And, and, and if you and I get someday, they get the chance to go to, to Israel together. Uh, you can still see those boulders, those huge, no, they're not boulders, they're huge carved sandstone rocks, tons of it crushed down on the paving stones around and still the devastation is present there to this day. All of this suggests that we've been in the end times for the past 2,000 years. It also suggests that the, the, the kind of things that Jesus described in Matthew chapter 24 are, are cyclical, that, that every generation is going to experience uh, their version of, of these kinds of calamities, but there will be a great one that will come and precede the coming, the second coming of the Son of Man, the second coming of Jesus. Matthew 24, be awake, be watchful, be prepared, and be engaged in God's kingdom work, um, the assurance that the end would come. And then the end of chapter 24 and through chapter 25 of Matthew, uh, the, the, the focus turns to, well, how are we to wait? What is it to look like as we remain watchful and ready? And in concentric circles, Jesus describes different groups uh, in, in detail. So, uh, firstly, he starts with his disciples, and, and by extension, the leaders of the church that would follow them. Matthew 24, verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household? 
The leaders are that first ring, the leaders of the church. And then he opens the ring up a little bit and he describes the church in general. Uh, the leaders, of course, are a subset of that. But you'll recall we read the, the, the account, the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And the warning that we need to be ready. Half of them weren't ready. They'd been invited to the banquet, but they had not prepared. And so it's a warning to the church. And then looking at the same group, but from a different angle, still looking at the, the, the church, Pastor Craig last Sunday uh, recounted for us the parable of the bags of gold or the parable of the talents. And so to the church is this question, what are you doing with what God has given you? There's an accountability for us here. Craig asked the question, what's in your bag of gold? And what are you going to do with it? You yourself are a treasure of the most high God. Your talents, your abilities, your gifts have been given to you, entrusted to you to be used in his kingdom purposes. Uh, that includes the, your finances and your family, uh, the, the resources, the assets, whatever is at your disposal. Uh, he is inviting you to make them available to God and use them for his glory for his kingdom purposes. We are on mission. And I love the way Craig put it. He said, like, even if we're all just simple one bag of gold people, the, the, the cumulative return on investment adds up to something that is enormous. So, so the leaders, the church, this week we move on and Jesus addresses the nations, uh, the, the world, the ethnos, all the peoples who have ever lived are, are going to be gathered before him and are going to be held accountable to him. And the key question is the same question that was there for those on Palm Sunday. It's here as we listen to this account of the sheep and the goats and it is what are you doing with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? This is the question that we will all be required to answer. So I'm going to read the passage of scripture and then we're going to talk about it. Um, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, it'll be on the screen. Um, but if you're looking it up digitally, I'm in the New International Version, NIV. This is the word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit in his glorious on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, 
but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. I just want to be a sheep, ba-ba-ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba-ba-ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep, ba-ba-ba. Now, some of you really want to sing, I don't want to be a goat, nope. Okay, and, and Pastor Craig is back there with his pen and his clipboard, and he wants your name and he wants your number because we need you in Kids Zone because we want to reinforce our Kids Zone ministries, all right? Because uh, that's, it, it, it's, it's, I thought actually, after reading that passage, I thought, you know what? It would be really practical this morning if I taught you how to, uh, like a, a sheep, as opposed to bleed like a goat. Uh, but the problem was that I went to the web, internet in order to sort of see what a sheep really sound like, what's a goat really sound like, and I couldn't tell the difference. Uh, so I thought I just might confuse you if I did that. You know, Lord forbid, I'm sure a shepherd can tell the difference, but um, I'm not one of those. But, but here's the deal. The, your, answer, your answer to the question, what have you done with Jesus, tells the difference of whether you're a sheep or a goat. What have you done with Jesus? Just look at the text with me, okay? Just be open to this if you would, please. Um, verse 31 Uh, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. We're just gonna step through this, all right? So, So here's the completion of that Palm Sunday event. The Son of Man came into his temple on Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday. Now we have him coming in completion of his royal reign. The Son of Man comes and he sits on his glorious throne. All the nations, verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from the other as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now Jesus has already told us in this Olivet Discourse that the end will come unexpectedly. Um, And and he promised that everyone will see it. It's not gonna be a secret like lightning flashing across the sky, Matthew 24. It's gonna be obvious. And throughout this series, we've been kind of coming back time and again to this very difficult reality, this this urgent realization that the end will come. And, And I bet every one of us have family or friends that we know are not ready. It's part of the reason we're offering the Alpha Course. It's gonna begin a week this Thursday. Um, Colin told you a little bit of his story. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other stories. And and maybe your family, your friends, maybe this is gonna be part of their story where God would just move them a step toward Jesus in a significant way. It's never been easier. If I haven't compelled the urgency of this upon you enough, like I'm begging, would you send an invitation to those that you've been praying for uh, pray for them, push, in your inbox, maybe you've been ignoring it, in your inbox, if you receive everything okay, you've received at least four, if not five, invitations that are designed for you to be able to pass on. Each one's a little different. Maybe read them through and figure out which one would fit so-and-so, pray about it, and then send it on. And that's just, we're just, that's all we can do from our part, right? Is we can build some relationships, we can pray, and then we can invite and and. Trust the results up to God. Um, Jesus came on that first, on his first coming with invitation. Come, come, follow me. When he returns the second time, he will come in judgment. It will be the completion of the day of the Lord. Now notice, uh, let's see here. Um, What have you done with Jesus? Look at verse 34 with me, if you would, please. Then the king will say, 
Okay, here's the, here's the, the voice of the king. To those on his right, come. You who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, I want to draw a couple of things to your attention here. First, notice that Jesus describes himself here as the son of man. Now, now this links us back to multiple Old Testament passages that anticipated God's deliverer coming among us. The Messiah was promised. Uh, Jesus has been identifying himself with this historic promise of God. And several of those references reference the idea of the day of the Lord coming. And the Son of Man, he came. Uh, he began to bring the kingdom of God, who all, all who would turn to him. And when he returns, the kingdom of God will be completed in its coming, will have completed its coming. And right now, we're in this time between. Some have referred to it as the already and the not yet. The, the kingdom has already come, but it is not yet complete. His reign and his rule in, in my life, and I'm trusting in your life, is, uh, has begun, uh, but it is not yet complete. We, we turn our hearts and our lives over to him and it's a work in progress as he continues to work through us in anticipation of that day. So he says, come to the sheep on his rights, the son of man, who is then referred to as the king. Okay, there's several titles that are going on here and then the king uses the language of family. Like this is incredible. He describes us as family. Now I'm saying us because I'm planning on being in that crowd on that day of sheep. <laughs> Okay, and I'm trusting, I mean, I am preaching with all my heart, desiring that you would be in that crowd of sheep. Uh, and, and Jesus here is describing us, he says that you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. Okay, this is family language going on here. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So the son of man also bears the title of the king, but he's also the son of the father. He says, my father, and he says, you and I on his right are heirs. We get an inheritance, and it's the kingdom prepared since the beginning of the world. God the Father has been, since the beginning of time, has been anticipating that time when we would be ultimately and completely reconciled to him. And we would, we would, we would love being under his kingship because his, we are in his kingdom. And he is ruling and reigning in us and through us in every respect. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Man, it's gonna be awesome. Like he has been preparing this since the beginning of the world. We're gonna talk about life after death or the afterlife beginning Easter Sunday and for a few weeks following. What is it that, what is our eternal hope? What, what, what does it mean for Jesus to be resurrected? What does it mean for us to be resurrected? What is it that we are ultimately looking forward to on the other side of death? Why is it Christians are people who have an unstoppable hope? To the one group, the king says, come. The one's on his right. To the other group, he says, depart. And, and, and this is the terrible and distressing picture that Jesus paints here. Let me read it for you, verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, <clears throat> depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, now notice a couple of things. Those, uh, notice who these eternal destinations were prepared for. Okay, the righteous on his right, um, it's a, righteous is another word that Jesus uses for us on his right, sheep, righteous, verse 37. The sheep on his right, we are anticipating a kingdom that has been prepared for you, 
since the creation of the world. But those on the left, look at the, the specific words that are used here. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So the original intent, intent of the eternal fire was, was not for the dismissive, disobedient, unresponsive to Jesus human beings. The intent was this was created for the devil, the deceiver, and for his angels. And, and just to be super clear here, uh, this great divide that Jesus is describing, um, this is about more than, than a prayer that, that somebody maybe prayed you know, at camp when they were a kid. It, it, it's about that, but it's moving beyond that. It's that plus, it, you know, at Youth Week or, or at Alpha. It's, it's about that prayer of surrender, but then living that out day by day such that a trajectory begins to be established. And I know for most of us, it's two, step for, two steps forward and one step backward. But over the course of the years of our life, there ought to be a, a, a direction, a trajectory toward Jesus rather than away from him, toward his purposes, increasingly growing, that I'm looking more like him and, I, and I'm living more like him all the time. A prayer doesn't save you, but Jesus does save you. And this is the new trajectory. So, so when I've, often I will pray some point in our service, often around the Lord's table, and I'll invite you to pray a prayer of confession and repentance. Confession is, Lord, I did it. Repentance is, now I'm gonna walk a new way. And this is the test. Is, has that prayer been a pivot point where I begin to walk toward Jesus, with Jesus? And that's what we pray for each and every one of us, that anyone who's, who's with us online or with us in person. My, my, my plea would be seize every moment. Like make the most of every one of those conversations with a friend, worship experiences, small group encounters. Make the most of every one where you sense God speaking as another yes God moment that continues your trajectory toward Jesus. The Son of Man comes, verse 31. The King says, verse 34 and 41. The people ask when. When? Verse 37. Most of Jesus' parables have a, a, a surprise in them. Like there's a twist in them that we don't always get 2,000 years removed, but the first people listening almost always get it. It's like, what? Didn't see that coming. The people in this account are the ones that didn't see that coming. The sheep and the goats, uh, I mean, I've said already, it's not, technically not a parable. Uh, it's a, a prophetic story that has parabolic elements, like metaphorical elements, sheep and goats, in order to help us understand something that is very real that is coming. And the huge surprise in this one is registered by the participants in the story. <clears throat> Nobody seems to be surprised that, that he ended up on the right or the left. They're surprised that Jesus was there with them. That's the surprise in this story. He was with them the whole time. <clears throat> now, we went through the, the, the parable of the bags of gold, parable of the bridesmaids, uh, the parable of the faithful and wise servants, and it, it seemed that the, the master went away. Well, apparently he wasn't as away as maybe, maybe they thought because he was present and Jesus is telling us he was present in his church all along. He's been present in, in the, those the brothers and sisters, he calls us here. He's been present through the church. He's been present among the nations of the world. Just look at it with me again, verse 37. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. A couple of extraordinary things here. Jesus is identifying himself with you and me, the church. For all intents and purposes, we are Jesus in our world. We are his hands, we are his feet, we are the living embodiment of Jesus here and now while we wait for his second coming. And so the great divide here describes describes those who have responded to Jesus in the nations and this question that is gonna be presented to the peoples of the world will be what have you done with Jesus? It means that when a missionary goes out from among us to China or Myanmar or uh, Central or Northern India or wherever in the world, those people are expected to respond to the gospel and, and the nations, the people of the world are gonna be held accountable for this question of what have they done with Jesus. We, that's why we pray urgently for the gospel witness that goes out from us and around the world, that people's hearts would be turned to God. Jesus has been warning us as the church to be ready. Keep your lamps lit. Uh, he's, he's been calling us to use our gifts, our resources, our, our talents, our abilities in, in service to the kingdom and, and that, such that when we go in response to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, when we go, the expectation is that people are, are going to respond. And it's true out there globally, it's also true in here, locally. You and I are among the peoples of the nations, right? And so, so the question is very personal to us. Lord, when did... When did I see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did, when did I see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? If you, if you think I find this very personal, you're absolutely right. I, I, hope, I hope you're finding it personal too. I mean, here we are in the, the, final, the final week of Lent, Holy Week, moving towards Easter weekend. Doggone pastors around here just keep making life uncomfortable, right? Send invitations for Alpha. Uh, you know, invite, you know, use my talents and abilities to, to serve Jesus. Like, it's just uncomfortable. I've been thinking about this one all week. You see that person who's clearly in need on the street? How many times have I made a point to avoid them rather than going to them? Right? With, with, with some gesture of help. Um, whether, we, whether we think they deserve it or not, whether we, whether we think they're there, right? I've been thinking about this even... Uh, I've wondered whether any of the pastors in Edmonton visited Pastor James Coates in prison in the month that he was in prison. Whether they agreed with him or not, right? I mean, it's a totally different prison setup. I'm sure he was fed and had a washroom and that was not the case in first century. 
But, but, but it becomes very personal to us as we ask some of these questions. The king who came that first Palm Sunday is gonna come again and he's gonna finish that which he began. And the question is, are we ready? I wanna invite the worship team to come and join me. Is it obvious that you're a sheep? If we're up to me, I'd be saying, I know many of you and I know many of you, the answer would be yes. Right? You know, I, I know that, that many of us are supporting Compassion Kids or World Vision Kids, you know, these, at least of these kinds of ministries, right? Uh, Michelle McElveen in, in Iraq, um, Samaritan's Purse shoeboxes at Christmas time, you know, the, the Guatemala team and this new project that we just announced this morning to renovate and expand this little church in Guatemala. These are least of these kinds of projects, and, and it's, it thrills us every time we get to participate in something that God's doing, right? These are yay church moments. Not bad, that's good, all right, not bad. These are yay church moments and we say thank you Jesus for enabling us to be even just a little bit faithful in some of these things. And then locally it gets very personal. My daughter schools me on this. She keeps loonies and toonies in her car and a few granola bars so that when you get stopped at one of those stoplights in that awkward moment when somebody's coming up begging at the side of your car, she's got something to give them. I love that. I love that, that's, that's the attitude of readiness. That's just, that's just, I'm gonna be prepared to help someone just in a little way when the opportunity presents itself. So it's, it's what we do with the Mission Thrift Store here in town or the Okotoks Food Bank. So we just try to practically be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and let me say that it's, th- this would be an extremely heavy message if it were not that we get to come to the table together this morning with all that this table represents, because there's always more to be done, right? Like there's just never seems to be, Jesus himself said it, the poor will always be among you. There never seems to be an end to the needs that are present around us. And if it were all on our shoulders, we would say, I, I, I don't know how I can bear the weight of this. But mercifully, Jesus has taken the weight of it upon his own shoulders. We can't do it all, but Jesus has done it all. And it's not even that like we do a little bit and then he tops us up. Like it's not even that. He does it all. And then when, when you and I have the privilege to, 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 to be, help somebody who's hungry or someone who's thirsty or, or be that cup of cold water, the stranger, the needs clothes, the person, in, when we have some way that we can show the, the grace that has been evident to us, it's exactly that. It's a witness to a work that God has been doing in us because we are gradually becoming more like Jesus. There's a change, there's a transformation that God is working in us. And this table reminds us of where all of that was made possible. Let me just say, will you, will you trust Jesus with your life? Would you do that with me today? Just, it's, it's, here I am, Lord. This is me for the thousandth time. Here I am, Lord. I'm all yours. Um, take and use me for your kingdom purposes, for your kingdom purposes benefit. Teach me to start to walk in your ways because I'm trusting you, Lord Jesus, to make up, to, to do what I can't do. 